Craft Beer Radio, episode 142, recorded on July 16th, 2009. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for fermented grain-based non-distilled beverages and the people who love them. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Baer. And tonight, we went, we went from the land down under all the way to the Lone Star State. <laughs> the land down under Texas. And we're doing Texas beers, so don't mess with these beers. First beer we're going to do is Southern Star Bombshell Blondale. This is a beer in a can. Beer in a can? And it's, it's a Slim Pickens-esque thing where she's riding the bomb down. And she uh, she's a buxom woman. <laughs> the red cowboy hat and boots. So she's, she's quite comely, I imagine. Oh, we got a fizzer here. Yes, she is. It's uh, very reminiscent of Doctor Strangelove, of course. She's got the cowboy hat, too. These beers were donated by a listener. They were sent in by Bill Conrad. So thank you very much, Bill. Thanks, Bill. You're the best. Greg mentioned this earlier. Uh, I don't know if we were on the pre-show air or no, not. No, we were not on the air. The, uh, the slogan for the Southern Star Brewery is, Clarity is overrated. <laughs> It's a double can, entendre. Yeah. Or maybe even triple, if you, if you really think about it. They are certainly not clear beers. This one is very foggy. It's got a strawish, lemony color to it. And it has about two and a half, three fingers worth of a nice pillowy head. Yeah, it's a lemon, uh, slightly orange color, big fluffy head. The head and the the beer look to me like a like a, a pilsner, a little cloudy pilsner. So I have some interesting uh, facts about this beer. This beer is lagered, so that means it's fermented at a cool temperature. Right. It's malted with rare, rar R A H R special pale and Weirman Vienna malts. It uses uh, German traditional Sterling hops. Uh, yeast is a California ale yeast, Saccharomyces. And the ABV is 5.25% alcohol by volume and 20 IBUs. So that's interesting. It, it's a Pilsner recipe, but they used California ale yeast to ferment it. And they, but they lagered it. Sounds interesting. Because when I smelled it, you know, I read Blonde Ale on the can. And I smelled it. I smelled Pilsner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's weird. But So it's a hybrid. It's, I wonder if they say California ale yeast. I wonder if it's steam beer yeast. Or if it's like the California ale yeast, you know, like the Sierra Nevada yeast. Uh, the yeast they say is California ale. That's all they say. Maybe we'll pick some up from the flavorings. I just, yeah, not getting much on the aroma here. Just a little bit of uh, maltiness. There's there's certainly a, a difference from the aroma to the mm. flavor. The aroma smells like a nice, dry, crisp Pilsner. But the flavor is this big, juicy, full-bodied ale. You know, it reminds me of an IPA, of a pale ale, a West yeah, Coast it, pale it, ale, or IPA, little well, IPA. It, it doesn't remind me of West Coast pale ale because it's not, I mean, it's hoppy. and it, Well, it's bitter, but it's not particularly hoppy. And There's some hops in there. It's a little juicy. It's yeah. a little juicy. I'm getting juiciness, definitely okay. getting juiciness. But I'm not getting, like, a distinct kind of floral uh, stuff okay. that I would get from a traditional California, you know, high hop beer, high hop pale ale. Um, something along the lines of Sierra Nevada. I'm getting a lot. The bitterness is there. 
Uh, I mean, they're using sterling hops, so they're not exactly using a big floral hops here. Yeah, it has a very full body, very yeah. big mouthfeel. Full, full body, but but it's and and nice bitterness, but not huge amount of hops. So it's like, what do you call it? You know, it's like it's, it's not really a pale ale. It's certainly not a brown ale. It's it's not a pilsner. It's not a pilsner. It's definitely an ale. It, it's that's why they called it a blonde ale. I yeah, think. I think that's it's, why they called it a blonde ale because it's it's just it, it's something. I think it goes to to Peter Buchart's argument that you know you're trying to define a style here. Here mm-hmm. you have a beer that's you can try to define a style, but the style definition of blonde ale probably doesn't fit this as well as this fits just the idea of an ale that's kind of in between a couple ales. It doesn't yeah. really have much of a place, but it's good. It's really good. I think they probably used the Chico yeast, the Sierra Nevada yeast, because it has some of that same character. The body is similar. The the esters, the uh, clover type fl- aroma flavor. See, I traditionally get flower, like, like wildflower type stuff. I traditionally get a kind of noble twanginess out of California Commons, out of the steam beers. I'm not getting that yeah, here. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this is a steam beer. I think this is like Sierra Nevada's yeast or something yeah. like that. And I'm getting some like. Like this, this feel, this flavor of wildflowers, you know, open fields that reminds me of what I get from Sierra Nevada. This is a really, really interesting and uh, well-made beer that uh, I would hardly recommend. I think it's a good drinker. Five point two five percent. It's you know just eh, not quite sessionable, but sessionable enough. It definitely drink. It drinks well. I think it would go well with lots of food. Anything with cheese. Any cheese, any, mm-hmm. any cheesy thing like a lasagna. That's a good great. body to it. I, believe, I think I'd even pair with some barbecue, especially it, chicken barbecue. It would pair with almost anything well because it does have yeah. that body. But uh, I, I'm just thinking in particular like a, a cheesy pasta, home cooking. You know, cooking. Uh, uh, I don't know the word you're looking for. Soul, soul food, soul food. Okay. Yeah. No, so this soul be- food beer. This beer is very inviting. I want more. It just I drank it. It it didn't it didn't, you know, tear my palate apart. Did my mouth's nice and clean and you know, yeah, I could drink several of these. It's a great drinker. Great drinker. The not quite clean aftertaste, but it, it is a great so aftertaste. So remember so, it uses the Vienna malts, right? right? So I'm getting some of that bread crust type flavor, like a white bread crust or something like that. I'm getting some of that in there. It's a nice accent to, to this beer. Something you're not normally used to. In terms of blonde ales, how would you rank this in your... As, as, in terms of blonde ales, the best one I've ever had. <laughs> I mean, it's not really in the blonde ale stereotypical style, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's this, you know, brash young kid who's coming in and, you know, shaking things up. But as a beer label blonde ale, best thing I've ever had. <laughs> yep. I think I agree with you. Okay. What's next? So this is from Southern Star as well. This is the Pine Belt Pale Ale. This thing's in a pounder. 16-ounce can. They seem to love their RAR special pal because they use that for this one. Yeah, RAR's just a maltster. And this one they want in a English pint glass. You know, one with a little bulge around it. The last one they wanted in the straight pint glass. The reason the Sam Adams was kind of a combination of style, so... It's been a while since we broke the puppies out, so I figured it'd be I fun. like him. I use, my, I use oh, the ones I got. Oh, this one's all oh, over the place. A gusher out of a can... That one was a big gusher. Holy crap. The first one foamed over and filled the top of the ca- the rim, but didn't go over the rim. But this one, before I could do anything, it smells good and clean. I think they might have just got the carbonation wrong on it or something. Is, are they bottle conditioned? or They are kind of can cloudy, conditioned. but the problem with can conditioning is that 
Um, you stack them on top of each other, You right? can't stack the pallets until after they're conditioned, so you have that issue. So a lot of people don't do it, but I think that's all these beers get a little more cloudy the more I poured them. So we're going to have to rip one of these open and see if there's any kind of sediment in the bottom. Yeah, okay. So these are, this is the Pine Belt Ale, available in 16-ounce cans or kegs. It has 6.3% alcohol by volume. 45 IBU, so we're definitely getting into the bitter range. Malted with Rar Special Pale, Simpsons 30 to 37, and Crisp 45. If you know malts, there you go. Hops with uh, Sorachi Ace, Galena, CTZ, and Palisades. Sorachi Ace is the uh, Japanese hop. What were the other ones? Galena. Right. CTZ. No idea. Oh, uh, check. Is that check saws? And some kind of abbreviation for check saws? Maybe? I don't know. It just says CTZ and Palisades. You can smell the hops. These things are sitting on the table, and half the beer spilled on the table, but it just. It's got a, a good amount of malt to go with it, too. Yeah. This one has. Um, so the first. I got, a, I got a resinous, piney type hop on first sniff, where it's kind of. I was expecting a more fruity one. From the aroma that's wafting in the air from the spilled beer, I was thinking this might be a man candy beer, but then from the first whiff, it's a lot more earthy and resinous. That's typically not a component that I associate with the man candy term. The color is sort of this copperish, a little bit lighter than a penny. Give it a swirl, and the malt and the caramel come out, and, and they kind of balances out that resinous hop aroma. You like Southern Star, huh? I like this beer. This is nice. This is this is. Are your like uh, salivatory glands just like excreting yes. saliva right now? Like they're just in overtime, just like filling your mouth with drool. This is, um, if not quite there, this is close to man candy flavor. A little earthy. I won't earthy. A little resiny earthy. I wouldn't quite give it man candy, but it has that caramel backbone to it. Yeah. The and mixing with, with with the hops and you know it, it's. Oh, I just got hit with some toffee. Just came up, came up through the center, and it's like, here, you think it's caramel? Try this. It's a little bit more roasted, and you know, a toffee brittle type thing. I love it when, as I say in the A team, I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a beer comes together like this, when the bitterness and the malts are just so well balanced, and they bring out, well, they 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 make your your salivatory glands. Like you said, gush, gush. They yeah. they want more. I want more. I want Pine Belt or I want Pine Belt Ale. I want uh, Southern Star Brewing to start sending their beers to Pittsburgh right away. <laughs> They're from Conroe, Texas. Greg might have said that already, but it's always not hurtful to say it again. So some of the other beers they make, ooh, Lager, a Dortmund export. Ooh, hey, hey, PA Texas listeners. So draft only summer seasonal oh. though. Greg and I love a good Dortmunder. Uh, they make a rock beer, Bamberg style. Rush. Sure. Rush. So smoked beer. Yep. That's their, uh, it's draft only also. It's also autumn seasonal. And Buried Hatchet, which is a strong American stout, which should be available in 16-ounce four-packs due mid-2009, so somewhere around now probably. So not a huge variety yet. They're probably pretty small. And you got to remember, when you want to make a can, new canned beer, 
you have to buy a bunch of cans. Yeah. So they have to make sure it's going to have the market. They can't. The number used to be half million, and I've heard that you know with at Saver, you know, with can brokers and whatnot, you can get that number down more. Something that's more realistic for a craft brewer, small craft brewer. But you still got to buy a lot of cans. So you have to use beers. You're going to be able to sell a bunch of. Well, frankly, I mean. Well, a bunch of year-round, you know, I mean... If their Dortmunder is any good as their other beers, and I'm surprised they can't sell that sucker. Right. you got to pick and choose, though. And uh, the two beers they decided to put in cans, no complaints. No complaints at all. No, these were uh, excellent beers. Bill, thank you Bill once again. Conrad. All right, the next beer... No, where'd the bottle opener go? Oh, we don't... I haven't had to use a bottle opener just yet until now. That's right. This is the St. Arnold's Brewer's Reserve number seven. Divine Reserve, they Divine say. Because yes. they are a saint. Still got some uh, bombshells. I know. Uh, I'm drink that. Give me a second. I'm still using my computer for informa- informational purposes. So number seven is a Weizenbach. Or a Wiesenbach, someone insisted that is the proper pronunciation. Which I kind of giggled and said whatever. Ooh, Weiz- that it smells boozy. <laughs> It's like an imperial double, triple whites and bites and weizen buck. So, what you may ask is a weizen wise weizen buck. Well, it's a dark wheat lagered beer. It's you take your uh, wheat beer and you roast the wheat and you get a dunkelweizen dark dark wheat, and then you add more malt so it's strong so it's like a bock beer and you get a a weizen buck. It might not use as much roasted grain as a Dunkelweizen, but since there's more, it, it's in the same ballpark. It's not like a Hefeweizen-type light wheat beer color. Mm-hmm. It is unfiltered. It better be. <laughs> it's a traditional Bavarian Hefeweizen Viet. Viet. Yeast. Hefeweizen yeast, I'm sorry. And they say they are curious to see how this beer will age oh it would age wonderfully smell this thing it is a, do you have the alcohol numbers on this because it yes, is it's 8.4 percent alcohol by volume it's i have i don't have the grain bill like i had before but i have original gravity of 1.075 final gravity of 1.019 it's actually smells boozier than than 8.5 it smells like it's like a 10 percent beer doesn't it yes it does actually you can smell some of, the, some of that alcohol Does it say anything least. about barrel aging? Because there's kind of some barrel type notes in the aroma. I haven't tasted it yet. It's made in 18 half barrel kegs, one slim keg. They made it 1,245 cases of it. Really, really roasted. It almost has... How to describe that? I've never had so much roasted wheat at one time before. It's, it, almost, it almost has a rock beer type flavor to it there's almost a smokiness because it's it's so carbonized that there's there's a lot of that kind of i, I guess it's a, not smoky but i mean i'm thinking like you know we had the stein beer on the video show mm-hmm. you know i'm thinking really dark caramel i don't know i'm thinking there's, there, there's a little bit of does it mention anything about how they made it is it decoction mashed no they don't mention, they mention it, it. Yeah, it, it just has this really rich bready flavor that is reminiscent of like a doppelbock like a like a decoction mash it's reminiscent to me of grains or or anything that is burned to the point where it's basically carbon 
and so you got soot. Um, it, there's a little bit of sootiness in there, and that's not necessarily yeah, maybe bad. A little bit. I don't know. I didn't talk about the color. I think you did. This one's dark. This is like Coca-Cola darkness. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot darker than like the other Weizen box that I'm familiar with. You know, Victory Moonglow is made here in Pennsylvania, and it's it, I love it. It's really good, and um, it's it's an orange color, like a cloudy orange. The new Great Lakes uh, Glockenspiel has a Weizenbach, and it's it's a brown ale type color. It's not dark like this. This is the darkest one I've seen. This is pretty dark. This this barely has some highlights and some brown highlights at the bottom. And turn that's that's really how dark it is. It is uh, twenty four. Is that on your SRM scale? <laughs> yeah, it's a no. It's a uh, twenty two. Twenty two is black, and twenty four is black. So this is this is. No, Basically, it's, um, it's brown. There's Coca-Cola color. There. Okay, I guess you're right. The flavors, they haven't even talked about the flavors yet. Lots of banana. Ripe banana. Not mushy, ripe. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And... Yeah, I guess you're right. Right. You're like, yeah, definitely not... Like, you know, most bananas you have in the grocery store underripe, right? They're just turned yellow, a little bit green, and they're hard and firm, and... This like I had a really mushy one just the other day, and yeah, it's between those two. Certainly, yeah. it's perfectly ripe. Oh, and everything you learned about bananas is wrong. They're ripe when they start to turn brown on the outside, not when they're yellow. Okay, that's what I figured. I knew it was yeah. much later than when most people eat them. When I ate one that was ripe, you know, the skin starts to thin, and it's really hard to peel because like the started because it's not rigid, and um, it was pretty mushy inside. Yeah, that's overripe. If it's all black, it's overripe. It wasn't all black. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I think it was right, what you would call ripe, but for me, the texture-wise, it was a little on the mushy side. Well, maybe you just you're, you weren't used to it, yeah, because you're used to the underripe bananas. Now, however, if I mushed up and you know and did something with it, you know, with a custard or something, that'd be wonderful. But by itself, sticking in a Twinkie, yeah, Twinkies were originally banana filling. Oh, yeah, mm. but by itself, eh. A uh, day or two earlier would have been better. But it's back to the beer. You're get, uh, the bananas are in there. I'm really focused on this malt flavor, this dark malt. There's there's hints of licorice, but I hesitate when I to say that because it's not really that zingy part of the licorice. I'm sorry. I do have a malt list here. I was wrong. Dark wheat, light wheat, chocolate wheat, Pilsner, Munich, Special B, and chocolate malts. Okay. And hops, you want to guess? Hollow Tower. No. No. Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer, okay. The hops really don't play much of a role. Yeah, so that's a very hard one. It was really a shot in the dark. The last sip, I think I might have just got a touch of oxidation. I'm not sure. It was a bit of a a cidery, a bit of... um, Yeah, it's called a cidery character. I'll see if that comes back. Because I think this would age really well, but... With the, uh, they use the squat bottles like Sierra Nevada used to use at St. Arnold's uh-huh. in their twist offs. And traditionally those don't seal as tight. So aging this thing in that bottle might not, it might oxidize. So if you have that. a vacuum chamber, it might age. Put these well. in your vacuum chamber. Yes. Yeah. Everyone has one of those, right? Well, but then you might suck all the CO2 out of the beer. So you oh. got to put it in a CO2 pressurized chamber. Okay. All right. That's well, probably you, even easier than a vacuum chamber. You can essentially use a vacuum chamber for that purpose, just pressurize it with CO2, right? Mm hmm. So put under, you know, 10 PSI of CO2 and you should be good. You shouldn't over-carbonate the beer? Age it for hell. I mean, just got to kind of equalize it, right? 
yeah, so uh, uh, a recommendation for a project everyone should run, should do. <laughs> there you go. Go and, you know, hey, people build humidors. I know. You'd probably be better off building a walking cooler than, than your CO2 neutral <laughs> pressure thing. It would be it would be bad because you have to put on a mask to walk in and get in there because it's all CO2. You'd die if you went in there without anything to breathe. So unless you had robot arms to get every bear. Ooh. Yeah, bad. See? Already, uh, I, I said just last week that you know I need a Johnny Five for work, uh-huh. and uh, I need two Johnny Fives now. <laughs> but doesn't that suck when he becomes alive and he starts doing things not you know against your thing? And also, then he removes his laser and turns into a toolbox, and it's like, but your laser was so cool. <laughs> All right, so I just uh, finished the St. Arnold's Brewers Reserve Divine Reserve Number Seven. That's the Doppelbach. The more I drank, the more oxidation I tasted. Did you pick it up at all before it was gone? The more I drank, the more fruity it tasted. Okay. Whether that's oxidation or not, it's it's kind of hard to tell. It wasn't cardboardy. It was fruity. You know, sort of dark. It came across more cidery. This oxidation. You know, this flavor that I got. Yeah, that eight percent really. I think they lie because that kind of hit me a little bit. Well, this one's bigger. Yeah, I think they lie about the alcohol on that one. That one hit me more than an eight <laughs> percent. Like a, you know, six ounces of eight percent. That one hit me pretty hard. Well, um, they do ask you to enjoy it at forty-five degrees or warmer, so it seems like they want you to to bring out some of those flavors. St. Arnold's a pretty cool brewery. I've never been to Houston, but um, they were the ones. Remember where they they had the um, the contest where was it an auction? I think it was an auction that went to charity. Or if you bid the most, you could name the fermenters and all the fermenters behind the the oh. bar behind the brewery have names on them of people who you know earned the naming rights for the fermenters. Either one of the charity or went to support the brewery. I can't remember which. Well, our next three beers are all going to be barley wines. Barley wines from Texas. What the hell? Barley wines from Texas. That well, is is the reserve number six. We did seven first because number six was a barley one, and the next two are going to be barley one. So, and it's heck? bigger in alcohol. How much is this puppy? Uh, this is ten percent. Original gravity of one point zero nine four. Final gravity of one point zero one nine. Same final gravity on the last two beers. Malted with two row pale. Cara Munich and Special B malts with brown sugar added in the kettle and hopped with 225 pounds of Columbus hops, including 44 pounds that were dry hopped. Oh. So it sounds like they're going for a California-style barley wine, right? The, yeah. The West Coast barley wines, yeah. those hoppy ones. I personally, I like, I love the English-style barley wines. I like ones with the brown sugar notes, the the malt notes, and I don't like these over-hopped ones. Like, well, this pork. has brown sugar in it, so I mean, so it could be a good balance. Uh, and they also use, but their, you know, they dry hop with the Columbus, which is kind of crazy. Their Saint Arnold yeast strain, which they claim gives a rich, creamy mouthfeel to the brew. We will be the judge of your marketing rich and claim. creaminess. Smells nice. It um, it smells malty. That big, rich caramel flavor from a barley wine. Uh, brown sugar. I'm not sure if I'm smelling it, but I'm not discounting it. And I'm not getting a crazy over the top hop aroma, like a fresh. Well, I'm getting hops. I, I wish I had an IBU number on this because I'm curious because it's it, it, well, there's definitely a lot of malt. So it's you probably know, you got to be a lot of hops. fresh Bigfoot taste smells like right. It smells like a 
big double IPA. It's just so hoppy. And this one has a lot more malt forward than the hops and the aroma. But the, yeah, there are some hops in there. Pretty balanced, I would say, maybe. Now that I smelled it again, I might say it's kind of 50-50. I think it's interesting that it's they're, 40, they're adding 60. brown sugar directly into the kettle. I mean, that's... Well, you get the molasses, right? And you want to kind of capitalize on caramelizing an already dark sugar, right? Uh, so I think that's probably what they were looking for, to really get a rich flavor boiling. They probably boiled for 90 minutes or two hours. And boiling molasses in there will give it a nice, really rich, dark... But so this is not just... You know, this would certainly not be Ryan Heisinger, but I mean, this is not just barley. This is also cane sugar. So no, certainly, cane sugar typically ferments out thin and hot and zingy. But there's so zingy. much, so much malt in this beer. You know, they were probably loading up the mash tun with everything they could squeeze in it for this barley wine. That it probably won't matter too much. And I think the benefit from the molasses from the brown sugar will give it an interesting character. That's what I like in a barley wine, right there. It's not, it's not hop forward. There's, it's, it's not a, hop forward. There's enough hops to back there it up. There are hops though. There, I mean, it, it is bitter. Yeah, it needs to be because there's yeah. a lot of malt there. There's a lot of sweetness, a large amount of sweetness, and it mm-hmm. would be extremely cloying if it did not have a huge amount of hops in it. Are you picking up that it was dry hopped at all? If they would have, if they wouldn't have said so, I don't know if I would have. Even no. I think the aroma, see now, I told you how, you know, first sniff, oh, it smells like an English. It doesn't smell that hoppy. Now I smell it. Smells hoppy. Maybe it sounds a good time to re-explain what dry hopping is. Most of our listeners, it's going to be old hat, so let's make it quick. Because mm. uh, it's a pretty basic term. Exactly. So after the uh, main fermentation is done, or near the end of the main fermentation, the brewer will add more hops to the fermenter or to the conditioning tanks, depending on when they do it. And there are three components from hops that you get from the beer. You get bitterness during the boil, and then at the end of the boil, or in dry hopping, you get flavor and aroma. So dry hopping is going to give you mostly aroma and some flavor compounds in the beer. And because this barley wine smells a bit hoppy, that's probably the main thing you get from the dry hopping. And I always thought that thing was a little off. You know, they say... You only get bitterness from the first hops you put in there. Now, I don't think that's true. I think you also get aroma, too, which is not a lot. No, it, it, it's volatile compounds. They all get boiled off. There's some to stay around. Not, no. not a lot, but you get, but, you know, and it's just okay, in the same so you way. Get, so you get, like, you know, a couple parts per billion of, you know, the aroma Our nose is powerful there. enough to smell that. All right. So maybe it's perfect. I always felt... And I, I may be completely wrong on this subject. So if you want to do a, a chemistry research thing, which sounds like you're itching to do because you're talking this up, instead of that, look up first wort hopping. This is where you add hops to the wort before you, right after it runs out of the mash tun before you boil it. Mm-hmm. Um, remember when we were on the uh, hop tour? We were arguing, or not, we had a heated, we had a, a fun and excitable discussion with uh, Horst. Remember Horst? Yes. German guy with the white, white hair? Yes. You know, he thought first word hopping was a pile of crap, right? But, you know, like Pilsner Quell is first word hopped, and they don't add aroma hops, and beer has hop aroma to it. So if you want to do your science digging, look into first word hopping. Come back with the report. Okay. Share your work. I'm more interested in my telescope right now, but and then I have to build my CO2 chamber with robots. But after that's done... Do they have lasers? 
they may need lasers in order to identify where the bottles are. No. They're not going to be the lasers that destroy things. They're just going to be sort of a sighting it's lasers. Like nano water. Huh? You know, yeah, of course. I can't. I can't afford. I can afford a big chamber of CO two and robots to build, but I can't afford to have powerful lasers to destroy things. Come on, man. All right, let's I'm not get, made of money. Let's try to get on topic. <laughs> We've already had a couple of sides. So, St. Arnold Reserve Number Six. This this barley wine. This really big barley wine. What do you think? It's a lot of alcohol. I mean, I'm definitely getting the alcohol flavor coming from it, and I hope it just adds to our stargazing experience. <laughs> it's, uh... If not, it'll add to our navel-gazing experience. <laughs> I'll show me... I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Are... Are you in here or outie? <laughs> I just want to... <laughs> Move on. You started it. I'm an innie, but move on. Innies are better people. (laughs) Incompetent doctors make outies. (laughs) Okay. It's just just a very deep, dark malty beer with a lot of hops. Um, I'm really... It's it's well-balanced. It's got... It's got enough hops to balance out. And you talked about how much pounds of hops they're using, but it has enough hops to balance out that intense maltiness and the sugar... Grain, absolutely, and it doesn't taste thin. You know, it does mm. have this. You know, I agree with their marketing here. Rich, creamy mouthfeel that came through. Whether that was because of the yeast or not, I can't say. But they claim it is. Who am I to argue? At this point, I'm I'm no beer expert, Jeff. You're more than beer expert than I am. Is the uh, yeast uh, the responsible for the rich? Creamy I think it may be. I mean, with a final gravity of one point zero one nine, it it's could be fairly thin. It could be very hot and alcoholic and thin at one point at, at ten nineteen. So yeah, the yeast left some dextrins in there, some unfermentable sugars, some body, and their mash also helped control that too. But nice body in the beer. The hops, you know, I'd love me an English style barley wine. This one is halfway in between because you can taste the hops in it. You can taste the malt. I'm not complaining. You know, I would love to try them, the pilot batch where they had uh, an eighth less hops in the beer, just to see how it compares out, but it might not be as good. I'm not saying that it's going to be better. You know, I'm sure they tried some things, and this is what they were happy with. Uh, I'm digging it, and it's better than a lot of barley wines that, you know, come across my plate. I always, I've said this story about as many times as Jeff has said his hop devil story. But I will say it again. The one where I just found out that what hops taste right. like when I ordered a beer named Hop Devil. That I always think I'm not going to like barley wines and end up enjoying them greatly. I don't know why. That's interesting that you say that because, you know, your roots in craft beer were brown ales. Right. Kind of a malty style, not hoppy. And I, I remember you saying this before, yeah, where you're hesitant because you've had too many... Sweet, cooling, alcoholy, thin barley wines, I guess? Not barley wines, but oh. beer. You know, it's too many of those beers, and barley wines are kind of trying to accentuate those styles, but they always seem to do it. Or, or they, when they're brewing a barley wine, it always seems to be better than I expect because it always seems to be more body, you know, to account for that. And to account for the cloyingness, there's more bitterness. And it's like, it's. It's like a, a, a super double IPA, like an arrogant bastard, but malted up to hell. Mm-hmm. 
So it really balances out that huge. It's big, all about balance. You gotta yeah. have balance in your beer. You can, you know, a double a double imperial mild, you know, with you know, two hundred pounds of hops is gonna suck. You know, it's just gonna be this this Brillo pad on your tongue. You know, and the same thing where you do a barley wine with no hops. It's gonna be this this sweet. It's gonna make you vomit right away because mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like your stomach's gonna be like too much. Too much carbohydrate. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sugar. So we got two more barley wines to do. How you feeling? I feel like maybe we should only do one, especially if we need to drive someplace to get to a clear sky. Yeah. Because I'm feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good. Up. Yeah. And maybe we should only do like half of one. We shouldn't even do like whole one. So choose the one. That well, you think- we could take like just a sip of each. And you can recap them, yeah. Yeah, I'll recap them. Okay, all right, we'll do that. We'll take a sip of each. We'll, we will. You want to do them backward? We got 2007, 2008, Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Syphilis? This is from the Real Ale Brewing Company in Blanco, Texas. So, for those who are not familiar with Greek mythology... Sisyphus, is that the guy that was pushing the rock up the hill? That is the guy who was cursed to push a huge boulder up a hill, only to watch it roll back down... And having to repeat this throughout eternity. So uh, a Sisyphusian task is something that is endless and unavailing. It's like... Um, craft beer radio. <laughs> no, not like craft beer oh, radio. No. Craft beer radio is Editing is craft beer radio? Um, Editing it? <laughs> if, you ha- if, if your job was to push a button, that would be a Sisyphusian task. Oh, like the drinking duck. <laughs> like the drinking duck. Uh, so yes, if you aren't familiar with uh, Greek mythology, or you are not like me and have uh, Wikipedia right in front of you to, <laughs> to give you the information you need. Okay, so this is the 2008 Sisyphus Barley Wine Style Ale from the Real Ale Brewing Company. This thing, we poured two ounce samples for each of us because we really need to moderate our uh, alcohol intake. What's the alcohol in this puppy, Greg? 11%. Oh, my God. Around 11%, they say. <laughs> they, so they it's like know. they're not... You know. The machines broke when they were measuring yeah. it. It's so strong. Original this gravity of 24 Play-Doh. Very clear. A lot clearer than the, the St. Arnold. Mm-hmm. Orange color. Has an interesting aroma. It's a it's a mix of... It almost smells meaty, doesn't it? Like a, like a mead? Like honey? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. It's a smell... It's, it's not... And the, the flavor is not as... Not as full bodied. It's not as you know. I'm starting to believe the yeast thing. I mean, it doesn't have as, as full a body as the other one. It, it has a similar sort of balance, similar but not quite the same. The the, the it, it seems more like the hops are in the front of your mouth mm-hmm. and the malts in the back of your mouth, and they're kind of fighting each other in the middle. Whereas yeah, it's a lot thinner. It's not full bodied like the last one. And with thin beer, high alcohol, it tastes hot and boozy. 77 getting, IBUs in this one, but you know it's hard to tell because there is a lot of malt. Um, I'm getting some orange rind, like orange peel or pith in the aroma. Mostly orange peel, I think. Yeah, or in the, I'm sorry, the flavor. I'm getting like an orange peel type taste in the aroma or flavor. You keep getting this mixed up. There's some My sort senses of, are all there's twisted. there's some disconnect in your brain that it's that wire a, needs is crossed with another one. It's not a tuma. Tumors can be benign. And they're growing in your brain. It really doesn't matter if they're benign or not. They're pushing stuff around. 
Okay, so we didn't have much to say about that small sample of Sisyphus. It was a lot thinner than the St. Arnold, and it's really I, hard I th- to follow. Yeah, it was hard to follow up the St. Arnold's because St. Arnold's was, was I think, a, a better beer, considerably a stronger beer in terms of all the attributes. Yeah. All right, so now we're on to the 07 Sisyphus. This puppy is uh, probably the exact same recipe. It looks poor in the same. It says an extra year on it. Let's see, was the year good to it or bad to it? This is Real Al's first seasonal product. It's a winter release. Oh, that one smells a lot better. That one has a lot of the caramel to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Breadiness, you know, something you'd expect from uh, a Vienna or a Munich malt. A lot of that. Much better. Much better. Much better. Way better. Oh, yeah. I haven't tasted it yet, I'm just, but it's one of those ones I want to smell like for another couple minutes before I take a sip because it just fills my lungs and nice, <laughs> starting to salivate. Really nice velvety texture to it. Uh, silky, you know, silky velvety. It's uh, got just, the, you know, really... Almost perfect balance there in oh, terms yeah. of, of, of hops and malt. It's there, still, there's no fighting on your tongue as much as it is just mixing together well. It's still thinner than the St. Arnold, but it has a creaminess to it. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the toffee and the, bre- and the crust, bread crust come through and lay there and give it a nice backbone. Oh, yeah. It's not oxidized a bit either. I mean, it's really... Well, if it is oxidized, the alcohol is hiding it very well. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, Really, quite delicious. So okay, wait a year. I don't. I don't think. That, I think the '08 batch wasn't as good as the '07 batch. I don't think a year of aging makes that much difference. You don't think so? No, it doesn't change that thin, watery beer into a thick, creamy beer. Thicker, creamy beer. It's not thick as the St. Arnold's, but I don't think if we had this '08 next year, it would taste as good as this '07. There's only one way to find out. Well, we can't recap. We can't recap, but we can get another one. Sure. Mm. But while the first one was like kind of like bordering on the edge of respectability for barley wines, this is very, very, very good. Yeah, this one's well, and this is English style. There's Uh not really much hops in the in the taste that I can pick up. So I'm digging it. The St. Arnold's was a fantastic barley wine. Yeah. But, all right. I think it's ranking time. It is ranking time. This, thank you, Bill. Bill Conrad. This was a uh, pretty good show. One, I, I, one stinker, but other than that. Not really a stinker. It wasn't a stinker, yeah, by well, any it means. It was kind of It a was stinker. respectable, I think. It was a stinker. It was, you know, it was a, a Budweiser version. <laughs> Call it that. It was a stinker. It was a C plus. Ranking is hard for this episode. I find it a lot of the um, a lot of the shows where people send in brews from their own you know they want to highlight are typically very hard to rank because well they're sending in the best stuff they 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 know is the best stuff and they know the stuff that will get us going so so I may surprise you a little bit. Not that I don't think that some of these beers are excellent. Not that I don't think some of these beers are definitely worthy of a very large amount of praise. 
But this is my number one. The Bombshell Blonde. The first mm-hmm. one we had. The the hybrid Pilsner slash Pale Ale. Absolutely the most drinkable of the bunch. Absolutely the most fun to to taste. I I mean, well, I don't know whether it's necessarily fun. It wasn't the most fun beer of the bunch to me. It was, it was, it was the beer that, that said... Yeah, this is we're we're going crazy, and it you know was, you're gonna like it. It was certainly set up a beer you could go to the pub, go to the bar, and have four or five of them, and it won't tear your palate apart, and you'll enjoy and taste it every single time. Yeah, I mean it, it's not a bland beer at all. It, it it's not your typical blonde ale. It it fits in a style somewhere in between a brown ale and a pale ale. I would call it between a pale ale and a pilsner, but you know, something like that. Yeah, but it's very alley, so that's why I said yeah. brown ale. Because it's maltiness, you know, to it, but it's not. It's not dark. It's. It's just really. Hi- but, but, I highly recommend you try this beer. This is this is an excellent excellent beer. By any measure, this is an. Are a you giving me. it any bonus points because it's a milder style? Uh, I tend to give. Lower alcohol beers that have a lot of flavor and a lot of um, a lot of punch to them and a lot of interesting factors to them, higher scores. I think that's something that I have a tendency to do. Sure. Whether I'm doing that for this one or not, I can't necessarily say. I just know that I really, really enjoyed well, this beer. You know, you got to look at. It. You can drink three of these, uh-huh. or you know, one of the barley wines, right? You know, and you're kind of even. You know, so it's like. Yeah, the blonde, the bombshell blonde makes sense in that. I just got a hell of a lot of enjoyment out of the bombshell blonde. It was a great way to start the show because it really set me up for enjoying the rest of the show too. Because I, I, I think this applies the first law of craft beer radio, where the quality of the beers applies to the quality of the show. At least I hope so. The second, I'm going to put the St. Arnold uh, number six, the barley wine. Really, just a, a terrific example of a barley wine. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was just it, right on the money. Very, very pleasing. Very uh, hard to do. A, a, an exceptionally pleasing barley wine. Or I, I always think it's hard to do, but it always seems to be easier to do than I think because I always enjoy them. But anyway, that's my number two beer. My number three beer is the uh, second beer in a can, our Southern Star Pine Belt Pale Ale, where we had just another really <laughs> well-made... Border- is bordering on man candy. Bordering on man candy beer... Uh, and it just, just really just, I mean, great. Southern Star deserves uh, lots of kudos in my mind. And man, I'd love to try their Dortmunder. I'm going to go with the Sisyphus 2007 as my number four. This okay. was the barley wine that was the, the one that really worked as opposed to 2008, which is, I think, both of our last beers, which cause yeah. it quite, didn't quite work. Just... It worked. It, it was the, the the kindest thing that you would enjoy if you want a barley wine. It's right on the money for the, the for the style. It's not not. It doesn't didn't have quite the the creamy notes and the and the fullness of the Saint Arnold, so it doesn't rank up there as high. But 
it still is pretty pretty high up there. Uh, then I would go with the St. Honor Reserve 7. A little bit of a hard luck loser in this case because I did enjoy it, but it, the other beers I enjoyed more. And then the 2008 Sisyphus uh, just was, like I said, it was respectable as a barley wine, but that's about it. Respectable C+. I am going to put the St. Arnold's Barley Wine number one, the reserve number six. Loved it. English, I like this English styles. It had enough malt, and the hops weren't overpowering like a fresh Bigfoot. Uh, I'd said before Greg went, you know, the two, three, four, and five are a <laughs> virtual tie. I'm going to put the Bombshell Blonde number two. Just because it was so drinkable. I mean, not just because, but... The main main influencing factor is because it was so drinkable. I wanted a second one. Now, you know, it's one of the few beers we've done on the show recently where I'm like, oh, it's gone already. Yeah. I want more. Even though it's not the most exotic style, even though it's this crazy hybrid that I've never had before, it's it's kind of a run-of-the-mill type characteristics, you know? It's not exactly – you're not going to go – you're not going to jump and be excited. You're not going to be like, "Oh my god, the the store has yeah. Yeah. you know this." Blanche Blanche. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, Blanche Blanche is at Mad Max. I got to run and get some. But if you have some there, you're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, exactly. So it was so drinkable, and primarily because oh, it's gone already. I want some more of this. I can't tell you the last time I had that thought on one of the beers we've done on the show, except for maybe the uh, Tornado, but. <laughs> Uh, number three, I'm going to put the Sisyphus Barley Wine, the 07. The good one. The creamy one. I liked it a lot. <laughs> the good one. The good one. <laughs> the um, fourth is the, the Weizenbach from St. Arnold. I I liked it because it was it brought some brand new elements to Weizenbach that I hadn't had. I've never had one that's been roasted so darkly like that one. Chocolate wheat. Right, not as right, mu- yeah. Not nearly as much as, you know, as in this one I've ever seen before. Uh, fifth beer, and this is not fair to, to the fifth beer, but that's a Southern Star Pine Belt Pale Ale. I mean, like I said, two through five, toss-up, really. Really a toss-up for me. I loved them all. And then the, you know, I called it a stinker. I'm going to call it a stinker again. The Sisyphus 08 is a stinker. I don't know what's went wrong with it. It's too thin. It's too hot. It's not worth your sobriety. Not worth your sobriety. You know, and I'm not going to recap that beer. It's going in the dump bucket. <laughs> Should that be a slogan we use? Crappy Radio, the show that's not worth your sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that'll be a new intro. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this longer version of Crappy Radio. Oh, that's true. We'll see when I edit it. I mean, I I, I edit more. Last show was like 30 minutes. This one's at 57 unedited. So Uh, tune in next week. Well, maybe we'll do some Virginia area beers next week. Maybe. uh, They make beer in Virginia? They do. And I uh, got some reserves from Williamsburg, so we're going to have to check those out. Well, I'm in. And uh, we'll have some video shows coming out, too, uh, interspersed, sprinkled, if you will, in between the <laughs> audio shows. We have a lot of video shows ready. We, there's not going to be the five-month lag that we had before. They're not going to happen anymore, my friends. We have stuff today for a rainy day. Oh, hi, Greg. Oh, hi, Jeff. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. 
Visit craftyradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. But they never say what you can. 